Is it on? Oh, wow. Ouch. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Abba, Father, we just come before you at this present time. Lord God, just give you the praise and the honor, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for your Holy Spirit being here with us this morning. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for how you are about to minister to each and every one of us through your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for allowing me to decrease in order for you to increase. And I ask you, Lord God, that none of us leave here today as that we have come, and that we leave here more fresh with a fresh anointing on us, that we may be able to fulfill the calling on our lives that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. And Lord, as our children in the back being taught, we ask for a special anointing to be upon all the instructors and teachers that are back there with them, Lord Heavenly Father, that our children can continue to grow in, in the fellowship and intimacy with you, Lord God. And Lord, Abba Father, we just give you the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. <clears throat> just to let you know, I have to, I'm going to apologize and give a disclaimer right up front. Um, I've already let the sound man know he's going to have to be playing that slider up and down. Um, when I get to preaching, I get real excited. Um, the spirit moves through me. I have been told at many of the places that I have preached through the years that I have a tendency to sound like a black Baptist pa- preacher, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is. I preach where God lays on my heart, and this is how it is. I want to say thank you very much for the honor and the privilege to become a part of your family. You know, God brought us out here um, a year ago, a little over a year ago, by transferring my job out here, working in a methadone clinic, and those are some hard people to work with, but God gave me the ability to do it for a short time. Within six months of living out here and working, God had me stop working and had my wife start working up at the hospital. I quit working December 30th. She started working January 3rd. You know, God has definitely been blessing us. The first family met we met were the Crothers, and the Crothers introduced us to the community, have been helping us to adapt to the wonderful life of living out here, having animals on our property. So now we got chickens and turkeys and a pig, and, and you know, and we just got goats, and, you know, we're loving the life out here. You know, and then they invited us to come to this church. And I got to be honest with you, when I came here, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go check it out. Real skeptical, if that's the right word for it. And I sat in the back, and I made a point that I sat in the back against the wall with my dog in the corner so I would feel secure. And I would come, and I'd come, and I'd come, and everything else, and I'd hear what was going on with Mike. And I would struggle with it because it would remind me of my father. And I struggled with it, and I struggled with it to the point, and I have to be honest, and that I even told my wife, you know what, I'm getting tired of going to church and hearing about my situation. And that was selfish. And I had to pray about it, and I had to repent. And I came to the church the, ne- the next week, and what ended up happening, Mike was here, and Mike was having an issue, and he asked me to go in the back and pray with him. Wow, that would have never have happened if I didn't repent. And as a result of that, Mike and I got to get to know each other a little bit. And that man really ministered to me a lot. And so has your entire family. And I want to thank you for that. Today, I want to talk to you with, about a message titled, Step Up, Step Out, and Walk On. Could we get the first slide up there, please? Oh, 
I'm not going to be able. Okay. I don't like turning my back on the congregation, so please forgive me. Okay. The footprints in the sand. One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many signs, scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints, and other times there were one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low points of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that you would follow me. You would walk with me always, but I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why? When I needed you the most, you would have been, you had not been there for me. And the Lord replied, the times when you have seen only one set of footprints is when I carried you. How many times have you found yourself in your life going through a situation, feeling despair, sorrow, loss, grief, hurt, pain, and anguish, and you thought you were alone? And you looked at down at the ground and you're wondering, wondering, why is there only one set of footprints? Because we have a tendency, well, let me rephrase that. I don't know about you. I know me. I have a tendency to look at the anchor cemented, and focusing on the breaking of the, the concrete in order to be able to figure out what's going on. And it's when I be able to finally take my eyes off the situation and look at God. It's finally when I stop complaining and sniveling and whining about what I'm going through in my personal life. It's only when I take the opportunity to say enough is enough. Lord, I give it all to you. It's only at that time am I able to hear that he was telling me to my delusion of my demise, I wasn't walking alone. He was carrying me. And let me tell you, there was a time in my life that God carried me a long time because I struggled and wasn't able to do it on my own. I want to ask you today. Put them in the right order. Now that we know, go ahead and change that if you would. The Bible tells us now, for those on the, the, the podcast, I use a lot of different translations in this, so I'm going to be letting you know which ones they are as we go. Our first scripture, since we're talking about the concept of, you know, feeling like Jesus left us, knowing that he never leaves us, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13.5, in the New King James Version, it says, let your conduct be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if he says he's never going to leave us, why is it that we have a tendency to think we're alone? Oh, you're not hearing me, are you? See, we have a tendency to think we're alone. When, when the family was going through it, did you have moments where you felt you were alone? When, you, when the church was going through it, when our pastor was going through what he was with the Lord, how many of you felt like you were alone? See, we need to understand that he says in his word, he will never leave us nor forsake us. We are never abandoned. Amen? The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse 18, from the Amplified Version, 
It says, I will not leave you, listen, as orphans. So you won't be comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, helpless. See, he's not going to leave you like that. He says, I will come back to you. He is always there waiting for us. All we have to do is take our eyes off the circumstances and realize that we need to look to him because he is there for us. Amen. Now, with all of that being said, I want to talk to you a little bit today about how you're stepping. How is your walk really with God? Now, please understand, I cannot preach something I have not walked through, okay? And I have been going through a depression. I believe my wife will tell you it's been for over six months. It was a hard one. I was going through this thing badly, and finally the Lord broke it, and whoo, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. Amen? And see, and he said he would never leave us, and I was always looking at my circumstances. Oh, woe is me. Why I got to be this way? What's going on with me? And I had to stop that. He said, I'd never leave you. Stop looking down. Start looking up. Recognize where you're going. How are you going to be able to know where you're going if you're not looking to the light? You're going to be walking in darkness, tripping and falling all over the place. Not beneficial. Amen? Now, the Scripture tells us, now, it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, from the Amplified Bible, for we walk by faith. Now, we all know the scripture, right? We walk by faith, but not by sight. I like how the Amplified Bible puts it. It says, for we walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk not by sight or appearance. So don't look at what this is, because if you look at this, obviously this does not sound like what's coming out of me. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you really want to walk by faith, I want to share with you three steps that are necessary for you to be able to walk by faith. Amen? The first one is to step up. You cannot do anything if you're not willing to step up. Kind of like yesterday in the men's ministry, we were talking and everything, and I talked, we came up about positioning. You know, and they say that the, with every journey, it begins with the first step, right? Is that a true statement? Really? Joel, do me a favor. Start, take the first step of the journey today. Come here. Wait, stop. What are you doing? (laughs) Exactly how most of us sound. I love you, brother. Go ahead, sit down. (laughs) Praise God. Because see, the reality of it is, we're all in the sanctuary sitting. We're comfortable. We're relaxed in the presence of God. And I mentioned taking a journey. How are you going to take a journey? It starts with the first step, right? Oh, I just stretched my leg. And my other one didn't get nowhere and accomplished nothing. You have to position yourself. You got to stand up to take that step. Take it from a man that used to be paralyzed. I know. You have to be able to personally be able to stand up to step forward. So see, what we have to be able to do is realize that it is important for us to be able to know how to walk. So we have to step up. Now, I'm going to talk about step up. Now, this is what you agreed to by accepting Christ in your life. Amen? 
How many of you remember when you accepted Christ in your life? Okay. I suffer, I have a thing that's called a TBI. Don't freak out. That's a, they say medically it's a traumatic brain injury, but for me, it's to be informed. Okay. <laughs> I have to be informed all the time. This is why we have the Bible. Basic instruction before leaving earth so we can be informed in our walk. And this is what we agree to. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 of the English Standard Version, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall we send and who will go forth? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Amen? How many of you remember saying, Here I am, send me? Come on, raise your hand if you remember saying it. And now how many of you, since you said send me, have sat on your butt and not done nothing? <sighs> See, we have to understand in church there's two types of people. There's a pew sitter and a pew warmer. The pew warmer is that one that comes into church. Now, I'm not trying to offend nobody, so if you get offended, take it up with God. <laughs> the pew warmer is that one that sits there. Oh, you know, church is really good today. Oh, it's good to see brother and sister so-and-so, and, you know, I'm, I think I'll go back next week and visit them. Well, how long have you been coming to church? Oh, I've been here for 15 years. So what have you done since you've been here? I've come and sat under the pastor and, and you know, and met some nice people and became a, a part of the family. So what have you done since you've been here for the church? I just told you. That's a pew, that's a pew warmer. The pew sitter is the one that's sitting there like this. Okay, Lord, what do you got me to do? Can I sweep the floor for you, pastor? Can I take out the trash? Can I be of some service? Because when I got called, when I said, here I am, send me, I agreed to scrub a toilet. Even though I stand up here in many of churches, I still have scrubbed toilets in many of churches. Because I can't lead if I don't know how to follow. Because in order to be a leader, you got to know how to follow. Otherwise, how are you going to teach somebody to follow if you haven't done it yourself? Huh. Amen? So when we step up and we said, here I am, we need to understand that stepping up means that we have to walk in his steps. Amen? And in, the new, in 1 Peter 2.21, the New King James Version says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. Leave us, excuse me, excuse me, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. We saw the footprints of the sand, right? There were two sets of footprints. But in my selfish, indignant delusion of self-righteousness, I thought when there was one footprint, it was mine. When in all actuality, it was Jesus. And if I want to be able to be that Christian, if I want to be that man of God that he's called me to be, when I say, here I am, send me, I got to be like in that uh, movie, uh, what is it, because um, y'all do this stuff around here, the movie, um, The Prince of Persia, okay, and they're walking, and the, the prince and that lady or walk, princess are walking through the thing, she says, you got to step exactly where I step. And the moment you do, all hell is going to break underneath your feet. And that's exactly how it is in our walk. If we don't step the way Jesus tells us, hell's going to break out in our life. And please understand, hell's not a bad word. It's a place none of us want to go. Amen? 
So we need to understand that we need to walk in his steps. Now, how do we walk in his steps the only way we can? We need to mirror Jesus. Now, everything I've ever heard about Jesus, Jesus was a long-haired, well, I used to be long-haired, as you know. Uh, Jesus was a long-haired hippie that wore a robe and sandals and ran around everywhere and, and was homeless. But yet everybody liked that man. Amen? And everybody wanted to mirror what he looked like. The first time the word Christian was used, it was in, this, in the town of Antioch, and it was a derogatory statement. Oh, uh, there's one of them little Christ, one of them Christians. It was a derogatory. But as the followers and the believers and the brothers and the sisters came to realize, as an intimate relationship built with Jesus, they came to realize what a blessing it is they have the title Christian. Because the title Christian means you are Christ-like. The only way you can mirror Christ is to be Christ-like. Amen? Otherwise, you're a fake and a fraud. A perpetrator. We don't want them here. We want, if you're here and you're a perpetrator, guess what? Today you can become a real child of God. Amen? You don't need to fake it to make it. Okay? This ain't no 12 step. This is one step. Yes, Lord! Amen? We got to be able to mirror his steps when we walk. Now, how this is identified by others to know that we are Christian is in three parts. Our attitude. Ouch. Our attitude can be real ungodly without ever saying a word. I'm guilty of that one. Because as my appearance is before you, I know that 90% of the time, if not 98% of the time, my countenance shows that I am unapproachable until I open up my mouth. And so, see, the reality is we can't go by the appearance. But we have to watch our attitude because our attitude can be real ungodly even when we're not saying nothing. Because if my wife says something to me and I get upset and I shut up and I don't say nothing, I'm showing her an attitude that's not of love and understanding and it's not godly. And then all of a sudden I start feeling guilty because God's dealing with me. Now I got to repent. Now I get to go. Notice I said, now I got to repent. And then I get to go and apologize to my wife. But see, I got to rephrase that. It's not a got to repent, it's a get to. We have the privilege and the honor to be able to go before God and say, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned not against man, but against you. And when I sin against you, I go against your word, and my attitude comes out humanly as aggressive and not godly in any way, shape, or form towards those around me. So we have to make sure that our attitude represents and mirrors Jesus. And he said, be angry without sin. (sighs) Man, some of these things are hard. But praise God, the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. It's our speech. Our speech. Where's it at? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 32. 
if thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, some of us arrogant people do that, look at me, um, or if thou hast thought evil, can't stand that person, oh, they irritate me, ouch, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. Lord, shut me up. You know that old phrase, you ain't got nothing nice to say, shut up? It's biblical, I just read it. Amen. So, if your attitude and your speech are in line with God, then obviously your behavior will be in line with God. Amen. And then they will know you are a Christian by what? By your love. And they will know that you've been with the presence of God because of what? Your love. Oh, and what other thing? What was it, Brother Ryan? What am I able to do today? Hey, praise God. That's something I've been struggling with, and I've been going after Brother Ryan every single week at men's ministry saying, you know what, brother? There's something about you that that you do that drives me up a wall because I don't do it, and I need to do it, and that's smile. So when I got here to church this morning, I made a point to go up to Brother Ryan and say, guess what, Ryan? I'm smiling. Hallelujah. Only God can put a smile on this man's face. Amen. Now, we need to be able to step out. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, verses 25 through 31 in King James Version. It says, but in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out of fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said unto him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? Now there's a lot in this scripture, but I want to keep it on point. What I want to show to you today real fast is that here it is. In order to step out, we've already said, Lord, here I am. Now, in order to be able to step out, we have to step out on what? We have to step out on his word. Jesus only said one word. He said, come. And it's by faith, not by sight. It's by faith that we're able to step out. As long as we're focusing on Jesus. The moment we take our eyes off of Jesus, our attitude, our speech, and our behavior, go to hell. We start worrying about the circumstances and the storm, and we begin to sink. We start to think that it's only us walking in the sand, carrying ourselves and the burdens. But Jesus said, remember, it was me carrying you. Oh, ye little faith. Ouch. See, he's not telling us we're faithless. He's telling us we got little faith. And the sad thing about it, if you only got little faith, but you only need the faith of a mustard seed, and that's smaller than a little, then we're breaking and we're not working it. We're not utilizing the level of faith that we have, even though it's little. He wants us to utilize all of our level of faith so we can build upon it and gain more faith as we continue to grow and walk like him. Amen? We are called to life. It tells us in John 11, verses 14 through 44, the New King James Version, then they took away the stone from the place where 
the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. How many of you have been able to say that in your prayer life? Oh, Father, I'm grateful that you've heard me. Amen? That's Miriam Jesus. That's walking in his steps. That's having the attitude and the speech and the behavior of Jesus. Amen? He says, and now, in verse 20, 42, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I, by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. What a beautiful thing. Jesus only said one man's name. Because he already knew, because he's God, they were going to freak out watching a man come out of the grave. Could you imagine if he didn't say nobody's name? Come forth! Man! They would have all been jumping for the glory of God. Amen? So he called Lazarus. And when he called Lazarus, Lazarus didn't come out. Hey, what's happening? Jesus, good to see you, buddy. It's been a while, man. Let's go kick it. Let's go have one. Nah. He came out bound hand and foot. He wasn't even walking. He was hopping. Pogo stick style. And Jesus said an important factor, and a lot of people miss it. Jesus told the congregation what their job, their responsibility, their duty, their commitment to God was to do. Jesus looked at the people and said, loose him. So see, the reality it is, when people come to Christ, and they come to this church and they accept Christ in their life, Are you people on the seats doing your job? Are you waiting for the pastors to do your job for you? Are you loosening your brother and your sister from the bondage of whatever they came to the Lord in? Because even though the Lord sets you free, your carnal nature still wants to be anchored. And it is our responsibility to loose him. We've got to take the cloth off their mouth so they can praise God and let God know that they're willing to serve him. We've got to take the bounds off of their hands so they can do the work of God. We've got to take it off of their feet so they can walk and go where the Lord sends them. It is our responsibility with our attitude, belief, and speak in mirroring God that we show them that when they think it's only one set of footprints, Jesus is actually carrying them at that point in time. Amen? We have to understand also that we have to do the work of the evangelist. And I want to ask you, is your lifestyle really showing you a Christian? Don't answer that. That's between you and God. Because we all struggle. Amen? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 4, 5 in the New Living Translation, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at beginning, excuse me, work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. You have a job. We got to be able to do these things. Amen? The Bible tells us that we have to be able to be a, be a witness. Acts twenty two fifteen 15, New Living Translation tells us, if you, 
tells you, says, you are to take this message everywhere, telling the whole world what you have seen and heard. Anybody ever walk into a public bathroom? Glory, hallelujah. Oh, maybe I'm the only one that does that. I don't know. <laughs> I talk to God no matter where I, I'm at. And I talk to him sometimes very reverent. And sometimes I'm like, yo, dude, what's happening here, Lord? Because I'm not seeing it. You got to show a brother. See, he's my dad. I can talk to him that way. I got to be able to talk to him intimately right where I'm at in order to be able to do this. The Bible tells us that we need to be able to walk on. We have, we have dominion. Joshua, Joshua 1.3, the new King James says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I had as I said to Moses. So God's already anointed your feet. He's given you authority and dominion. So wherever you go, you're able to proclaim Jesus. Amen? So your attitude and belief should show that no matter where you're at. It says in the word of God that our ordered, he orders our steps in his word. Amen? Psalms 119, 133 of the New Living Translation says, guide my steps by your word so I will come so I will not be overcome by the evil. Guide my steps. Bid me to come. Amen? And then he says, you know, my steps in your word. Come, so I'm not overtaken by the storm and begin to sink. Amen? My question is, is are your steps established in his word? Because if they're not, they need to be. The Bible tells us in Joshua 1.8, the New King, King James Version. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I'm not talking about bling, bling, ching, ching. No, that's not it. Success is your relationship. Success is your intimacy. Your success is when the Bible says, one who wins souls is wise. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? I'm not telling them, saying, walking them through the sinner's prayer. When was the last time you witnessed to them? By saying, Jesus loves you, instead of just being an example by your behaviors. Sometimes we need to be bold and say, God loves you. Jesus loves you, even when you don't want to. Standing in that grocery store line, and that person in front of you smells. And the Lord tells you, just tell him God loves him. Just tell him God loves you. God loves you. And then you feel good, but you felt weird at the moment before you opened up your mouth. But see, Jesus said just to come, to show that love, to be able to walk in these steps and, and, and mirror me. Amen? We have to meditate on it. That means to, to read it, to, to think about it, to, to contemplate, to say, what is it that your scripture is telling me that I need to know in my life today that I may grow more intimately with you? And, or what is it that I need to change in me to be more intimate with you? Or what is it that I need to be able to receive from your word today that I may share with a brother or sister when you place me in front of them? All the word of God says, don't worry about what you'll say for the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. So thank God for that. Because, man, I can get tripped up real quick. What? And then forget what I was talking about. And now I got to be informed again. 
it's okay today. Whew, thank God I'm not alone. See? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> now, the Bible tells us, now, we're getting ready to close. I'm getting ready to close. And I'm going to read the scripture to you before closing. And then I'm going to do an altar call. Okay? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 22, verses 14 through 16, from the message translation. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has handpicked you to be briefed on his plan of action. You've actually have seen the righteous innocent and heard him speak through each other. You are to be a key witness to everyone you meet of what you have seen and heard. So what, what are you waiting for? Get up and get yourselves baptized, scrubbed clean of those sins and personally acquainted with God. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ in your life, I want to encourage you to accept Jesus Christ in your life. Be the best friend you'll ever have. I also want to let you know, if you have been baptized, you might need to get up and get rebaptized. And I don't mean be dipped in the water, but to cleanse yourself, get yourself scrubbed, because some of us may be a little stinking because we've been wrapped in grave cloth a little bit too long while sitting in the church way too long. Amen? We need to be able to take this opportunity and do a little bit of soul cleansing. Amen? This is why we do communion. This is why we have fellowship. This is why it says suffer not yourselves to come together because I got to be able to tell my brothers when I'm struggling. And let me tell you, this church, this men's ministry, and I've been involved in two other ones other than this, even one where I was the associate pastor at. And this men's ministry has ministered to me more than any of those ones did. Only because I was willing to be receptive because I needed to hear something I did not know. And see, we may think we got all the answers because I got them. I got all the answers. The question is, do I understand them? And how do I understand them? Is by being able to get closer to God. Lord, you need to baptize me. Scrub this flesh off of me and fill me with your word. I need to know you more. Can you play that song? Because, see, the only thing I want is to be different. I want to be different in my life for the Lord. Because some of the things I've done in my life, I'm not okay with. I've had to repent for them. And thank God he's forgiven me. And I'm not that which I was. But I'm still not that man. God is still working on me. And I want to be different. And the only way I can be different, the only way you and I can be different is we spend more time in the word, more time in our prayer life, more time separating ourselves from everyone and everything so we can get alone and intimate with God. Go ahead and play the song, brother. As this song is playing, I want you to go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you just to feel the presence of God. Amen. I want these words to minister to you. And if you feel you need prayer, I'd like to encourage you to come up.
And at this time, I'd like to call the pastors of the church up so they can be up here so when the body comes up, they can lay hands on the people and pray. For the Word of God says to call the elders of the church and they will lay hands on you. Amen?